Hey beautiful soul, this is the Menopause Coach Podcast with me, your host, Adele Johnston. I'm helping you create a vibrant life of joy and happiness without your menopause stealing your personal power and sass. Together, we're making menopause mainstream. This accelerated bone loss makes postmenopausal women more susceptible to osteoporosis, a condition characterised by those weakened porous bones. Yeah, And in 2023, I myself was diagnosed with a stage before osteoporosis called osteopenia. Welcome to the Menopause Coach Podcast, where I am your host, Adele Johnston, the Menopause Coach, and we are here to engage in a bit of a candid conversation about women's health, as always. In today's episode, I'm going to be taking you inside the topic that is often, I suppose, misconceptionalized, and a topic that often carries a lot of misconception around postmenopause, really. So I want to jump inside this space. Contrary to what many of us believe, the end of menopause doesn't necessarily equate to the end of all symptoms and certainly not to the end of a lot of risk to health. And this is such a myth that once menopause is reached and over, um, that women become what we class as postmenopausal and bid farewell to the risks and the challenges faced during the transition. And to quote, unquote, through it all, I hear this a lot, I have got through it all, or some other things that we'll cover down in just a few moments into this episode, is that we've skipped it all together. So the truth is a bit more nuanced, and it's also very crucial that we unravel that today, and we go inside the layers of postmenopausal health in this episode. So as women journeying beyond menopause into that fourth stage, that journey into postmenopause, where many of us will spend around a third of our life, we do need to understand that this is an ongoing health area and considerations have to demand our attention and our understanding. And we don't talk about this enough. So all too often we are focusing attention and education around the world on the word menopause. Yeah, it's that big guns, isn't it? But in fact, the stage before that, perimenopause, where all these initial changes start happening, and then postmenopause, after which we then are faced with a lot higher risk. We do need to be aware of this, and I share this with love for you so that you can understand where you are in your own menopause journey and appreciate what then needs to happen for your own health care. Now, over the years of educating inside the menopause awareness space and certifying around 100 different menopause support coaches and people around the world, which is really cool, it became evident to me that we must open up the conversation and the door wide on this one for postmenopause discussion. It's not about reaching the milestone and it's certainly not about just achieving this state of postmenopause and then saying that's it, it's all done, it's all over. It's about navigating through this terrain together and all that follows so that we have this beautiful holistic approach to our well-being. Yeah. So today we are shedding light on the reality of postmenopause health and dispelling the myths surrounding the disappearance of symptoms. 
So let's dive in and explore the facts that every woman should know about life beyond menopause. In order to make this bite-sized and digestible, for me, as well as you, I'm going to segment this into some areas of key focus. So we're going to have a few segments together. Segment one, I'm going to go into about will menopause symptoms ever go away? Because this is a question that I've been asked many times. Segment two, we're going to cover osteoporosis because this is a real concern for postmenopausal women. And in segment three, we're going to look at the heart, cardiovascular health in postmenopausal women. And then finally, we're going to look at segment four, which is key considerations for postmenopausal women's health. So here we go. Segment one, will menopause symptoms ever go away? And that is a big question, right? So let's tackle this one head on and look at it as one of the myths about postmenopause. The belief that symptoms magically vanish once menopause is reached and the truth being so much more nuanced than that. While some women may experience relief from certain symptoms, yeah, others, it might persist making it really crucial for us to unravel this together and to look at this as a common misconception that symptoms will just disappear. I hear many women say to me directly or through others that I chat with, I'm through it now, or I think I just skipped that whole menopause thing. But this is entirely a myth. Okay, contrary to popular belief, the end of menopause doesn't necessarily mark the end of all of your symptoms. Now, many women anticipate that a sudden ending to hot flushes and mood swings and the sleep disturbances and all of these horrible symptoms that we can face will just miraculously disappear. They're, they just It's like flicking a switch and they just go away because we've come into post-menopause stage of our life. However, the truth is far more complex than that. Menopause itself is a unique and individual experience and that journey goes far beyond just what one woman has experienced to another. It varies. And to illustrate it, I want to explore some of the anecdotes and common beliefs that contribute to it, that contribute to the myths, that contribute to it being this whole experience that once we hit postmenopause life, that we are through everything and that we are symptom-free and we are risk-free and it's done. It's not. So let's jump into this. If we look at this through this instant relief belief that many people have, there is some individuals I speak with that believe that the very moment that menopause is reached, that all symptoms magically just stop and that just kind of allows us as women to just get back to it. Yeah, we're, we're through it. We've, we've got through there and everything's great as if nothing has happened. But this isn't the case for the most women. A second part in this is that it's not a one size fits all. So another common belief is that menopause follows this uniform pattern for women, almost like, you know, step one, we'll experience this. Step two, we will go through this and so forth. But this misconception also often arises from comparing experiences. And it's very normal and very human-like for us to compare and to ask others, well, what did you experience? And I'm having this happen to me. Did that happen to you? What did you do for this? It's all part of being human. We are expected to have these experiences and to share them. But we have to be able to recognise that there is no universal timeline for these symptoms and for when those symptoms may become better or disappear altogether for some. 
also noting that many women will navigate this stage very differently and that includes their mental well-being and inner resilience levels. We also need to recognise that there is such a thing as silent suffering. Yeah, and it doesn't sound great when we use the word suffering, but due to these societal expectations or perceptions of menopause as a bit of a taboo topic, there are still many women around the world, many of you may be listening to this today, who don't talk about it, don't share your ongoing struggles and contribute to that illusion that symptoms vanish postmenopausal. Now, I know many postmenopausal women who still suffer most of the symptoms that they did experience in their perimenopause, but they are to a lesser degree than before because they are no longer having the roller coaster estrogen and testosterone and progesterone rides. So, those roller coaster rides for those hormones have stabilized and lowered out to a new bottom line level. So, this can have that misconception that everything is just a lot easier, vanished, or more manageable because you're no longer experiencing the fluctuations in those hormones. Therefore, the symptoms may just feel more stable. So in reality, while some women may find relief from certain symptoms, others may experience that gradual decline and some may continue to have certain challenges that just persist for the rest of their lives. So we have to understand and, you know, give that level of acceptance that the variability is the crucial part for us all in navigating this postmenopausal phase. It's not a one size fits all and we certainly don't have a menopause journey route that you are going to take. Now, if we move into segment two of our conversation and bring in the topic of osteoporosis, um, a real life concern for postmenopausal women, bone health. Okay, a critical aspect of postmenopausal health that must, must be given attention. So the statistics on this one are quite sobering, to say the least. One in two women will experience and develop osteoporosis in postmenopausal years, and the risk intensifies during and after menopause. Okay, it's a bit of a silent concern because a lot of osteoporosis goes undetected or unrecognised until it's too late for many women. It's one of these silent conditions that we don't have symptoms of. It's not as if you have a recognisable change in your bones in terms of how they look or feel. It's not particularly there that you will have sore bones You might, okay, so some women do recognise that they feel a little bit sorer in their bones. But again, it's more known as one of those silent concerns that we can have. And it very much depends upon our approach to how we look at this. And as we navigate the landscape of menopause, one of the pivotal players in this hormonal symphony is oestrogen. Declining oestrogen levels you've heard me talk about time and time again, are this hallmark of menopause. Yeah, really, really setting the stage for various changes inside the body. Now, while oestrogen has a wide range of functions, many of which we have already covered in past episodes, so go check those out, one of its critical roles is maintaining bone density and health. So, As that declines during our perimenopause and menopause stage before we reach postmenopause, we're therefore directly impacting on our risk to developing a condition known as osteoporosis. So let's explain the crucial link to why. 
I want you to imagine that estrogen as this protective guardian of our bones. Yeah, there is like the shining white knight and it plays a fundamental role in regulating the activity of bone forming cells. Now, these bone forming cells you'll have heard me talk about in a past episode specifically about osteoporosis are called osteoblasts. And we also have bone resorbing cells known as osteoclasts. So we have osteoblasts and osteoclasts that work together. And when estrogen levels decline during our menopause years, the delicate balance of these two clasts and blasts are disrupted. So how that affects this kind of hormonal change to our bone health is expressed this way. With decreased estrogen, the bone resorption, so the process of breaking down bone tissue, which our bodies do, it's marvellous. Go and listen to that episode, it's fantastic. But as our bodies break down the bone tissue and then repair the tissue for new bone formation, then this tends to outpace bone formation. So the breakdown of the bone tissue replaces and outpaces the bone's ability to reform. And this imbalance contributes to a very gradual loss of bone density over time. Okay, it's not going to happen rapidly for most of us, but it does happen over time. So basically, we lose the ability to repair the bone as we had when we were estrogen rich and the levels were higher. Furthermore to that, this accelerated bone loss makes postmenopausal women more susceptible to osteoporosis a condition characterised by those weakened porous bones, yeah? And in 2023, I myself was diagnosed with a stage before osteoporosis called osteopenia, that stage beforehand. So I'm not quite osteoporosis confirmed and I may never be, which is amazing, but it has highlighted that I have some um, risk to osteoporosis higher than what the average person would if their estrogen levels were at a high enough level. So my confirmation of osteopenia was diagnosed in my L1 to L4 in my spine. So not something I want to muck about with. And when we think about the bone effect of osteoporosis or osteopenia, when our bones become a bit more fragile, a bit more susceptible, this can lead to an increased risk of fractures, especially in weight-bearing bones like the spine. So for me, that's a big one. Our hips and even our wrists. Yeah, and this makes for higher prevalence in fragility fractures from slips, trips and small falls. So if you've ever had a slight little slipper trip on a soggy piece of grass, for example, and you've ended up falling on your wrist, like I did many years ago, um, a very, very small, very, very small fall, a very small slip and a very severe wrist break as a result from it, that was my first indication that potentially something wasn't right with my own bone health. So understanding this link between declining estrogen levels and bone health is fundamental for postmenopausal women. We should be talking about this openly because guess what? It's not something that is potentially going to be a small chance that this might happen. One in two women will develop osteoporosis postmenopausal. Those risk levels are significant. So it emphasises the need for this proactive measure to support bone density, awareness, knowledge. And we also want to raise the fact that, yes, having a calcium-rich diet is so important. We know that. Calcium and bones love each other. 
But weight-bearing exercises are also vital. The more we do weight-bearing movements, the more our bones are stimulated to repair and grow stronger. And we support then the muscle around the bone, which also adds better mobility and protection. Regular screenings, if you are deemed to have higher or greater risk, is definitely something that I massively advocate. And a screening may be something in the form of, for example, a DEXA scan. Yeah, to check the health of the bone. That is how I got diagnosed with osteopenia in my L1 to L4 after having a DEXA scan. Again, like we've said, it's a silent condition. I have zero, okay, so when we think about symptoms, I have zero symptoms to indicate that I have osteopenia in my spine. Now, as we move into segment three, we're moving at pace. We're looking closer at yet another area of risk and concern in postmenopausal stage of life. And I share all of this with so much love, cardiovascular health, because I love to love. So we're delving into a very critical aspect of women's health during and after menopause. When we talk about the heart, it's a topic that demands our attention and considering the significant increase in the risk of cardiovascular disease for postmenopausal women, I need to raise this in this, um, this session today, in this podcast episode. So postmenopausal women we face the reality that demands our attention when we talk about cardiovascular health. Okay, women in postmenopausal years experience up to 50% more risk of cardiovascular disease compared to premenopausal women. Why? And yeah, you heard that right 50% more risk, a significant increase in risk that can have a very profound implication for your heart health further into your life. Now, considering you will spend approximately a third of your life postmenopausal with a greater risk of cardiovascular disease, again, I emphasize I share this with love. Okay, so that statistic is not intended to instill fear, but to empower. Empower with knowledge, empower knowing that you know this now. Awareness is the first crucial step towards proactive health management and by understanding that this heightened risk is prevalent and present then postmenopausal women can take charge of well-being and make more informed choices and decisions. You have not done anything to cause this per se this is a lot to do with the fact that we have hormonal changes accompanying menopause particularly as we've touched upon the decline in estrogen and this plays such a key role in the increased risk of cardiovascular disease postmenopausal. Estrogen has been known to have such protective effects on our cardiovascular system, including maintaining healthy blood vessels and managing our cholesterol levels. So it's very heart protective. The moment that starts to drop and the moment we enter into postmenopause life, we have not got that hormone, estradiol in particular. So all we know here in order to keep a healthy heart and the things that we can do are very simple when you hear them listed this way. I invite you to have a very open mind on the three big ones I'm going to share with you around how to keep a healthy heart before we move into focusing on nutrients and foods. So the first thing I really want you to be opening your mind to and focusing on, making sure that you are saying to yourself, yes, I do this regular exercise and or movement. Engaging in regular physical activity is a powerful way to promote cardiovascular health. Okay, we're not talking about going out and running marathons if that is not your thing. 
but it helps to manage everything. Weight, blood pressure, improving your overall heart function. Please do not live a sedentary lifestyle. You add living a sedentary lifestyle onto the fact that your estradiol levels are lowering at a rate they do through perimenopause. If you are then in postmenopause stage of life now, you are at a 50% greater risk already of potential cardiovascular implications. Do not have a sedentary lifestyle. And if you're stuck with what to do for that, consider just daily steps for health to get started and reach out and ask me how you can improve your cardiovascular health from listening to this episode. Number two, balanced diet. And I'm going to go into that in greater detail in a moment, but we want to make sure that we are adopting a very heart healthy diet, rich in all of those vital nutrients that we need. And then three, monitoring your blood pressure and your cholesterol. I don't know if you do this already or if you have a medical specialist that supports with it, but regular checkups to monitor your blood pressure and your cholesterol levels are crucial when we are in postmenopausal years. So early detection allows for timely interventions and that's ultimately what we're looking for is avoiding cardiovascular complications. So if you are postmenopausal, any stage, any age of life, it's important to note that monitoring this is important. And the fact is the 50% increase in cardiovascular risk postmenopausal is a call to action, not a verdict. Okay, by understanding that this is a statistic, it's a, it's a fact, and embracing proactive measures, you can navigate this phase of life with resilience and you can maintain your heart health. Okay, this is not something to just be like, oh, whatever. Yeah, it won't happen to me. I'll be the other 50%. Maybe you will be, but maybe you won't be. So shift your focus and think about exploring how you can support your heart. So if we look at the world of heart-healthy eating, We know that omega-3 fatty acids, which are found in fatty fish like salmon and mackerel and even in nuts like walnuts, really renowned for heart protective benefits. Yeah, they help reduce inflammation. They help support overall cardiovascular health. So please be bringing in an omega-3 fatty acid. So healthy fats in your diet. Secondary, we want to consider fiber rich foods, high insoluble fiber. Now, these are foods such as rolled oats, for example, beans, legumes, different fruits and vegetables, of course. And they can help to really lower cholesterol levels. And fibre itself will promote healthy digestive system enzymes and aids in your weight management, which is also a brucey bonus for those ladies of you that reach out to us to help you with that. Bring more fibre-rich foods into your diet. Number three, please do consider your antioxidant richness. Yeah, you can get a lot of this through fruits and veg. Dark berries, leafy greens, colourful vegetables. These are all packed with rich antioxidants, which help to combat a thing called oxidative stress. And this happens day to day, day in, day out, through very different factors in life. Not just about I feel stressed. Oxidative stress is caused by multiple different reasons, including the environment that you are in. So bringing in some antioxidant rich foods and fruits and vegetables, for example, can really help in controlling the inflammation in your arteries. That's why it's heart protective. Number four, potassium. So we all know bananas have good sources of potassium, but so too do oranges, potatoes, 
spinach, yeah, really rich in potassium. So think about this as this is going to help to regulate my blood pressure type of foods. Then magnesium. So this is found in nuts and seeds, leafy greens, whole grains, and magnesium plays a real big role in maintaining heart rhythm and in our blood pressure. So we want to be considering these types of foods inside our day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month food intake. Now, as we wrap up this segment, I want you to remember that a healthy heart is rich through diet, rich through regular health checkups, and rich through you moving, moving your body, helping your heart to pump the blood. And if you do nothing other than those things, I want you to consider that you have a daily requirement to think about this for yourself. Like I said, this is your opportunity for movement, for really rich, heart-healthy foods. It's not your verdict when you're postmenopausal. And segment four, a very powerful one, but about the key considerations for postmenopausal women's health. And in this, as our final segment today, I want to bring together some of this essential advice and the considerations as we enter postmenopausal life to navigate this phase and prioritise your overall health. Now, we want to consider this through, yes, balanced diet. It's important. So making sure that you are bringing in the rainbow of nutrients, varieties of foods, regular movement, but it's really important that we find joy in our movement sources. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you enjoy yoga or not. If you enjoy it, do it. If you don't, don't. If you are a dancer and you would prefer to do that around your living room than you would to go to the gym, do that. But finding something that keeps you active, supports that cardiovascular health and helps to maintain bone density is going to contribute to your overall well-being. Number three, sleep. Ooh, it's a big one, right? Sufficient sleep. What is that if we are not getting it? You need to prioritise your quality and quantity of sleep, one of which you are definitely in charge of, your quantity to some degree. Your quality may not be something you control. Debatable, right? But you want to be creating a very calming bedtime routine. Okay, limiting screen time before sleep, aiming for those beautiful seven to nine hours of restful sleep each night, and getting adequate sleep being essential for your physical and mental well-being. If you struggle with sleep, it can sometimes more than often be down to a few fine tweaks that we need to make to your lifestyle pillar. So please reach out if this is an area that you struggle with. And then four, stay hydrated. The amount of ladies that I work with and support that dehydration is a real big risk factor because water is your body's best friend. Aim for those eight glasses a day to support your hydration, your digestion and your overall well-being. But knowing that it's not just water that counts. All fluids count towards your hydration and you can eat your water and your hydration through foods such as cucumber. Stress management. How many of us listening to this right now are thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, I get this. But developing stress reducing practices that work for you. I've just read a really interesting piece of research and this research looked at a small cohort of 140 people, a mix between both male and female, 
Out of the 140, there was only 114 of them actively participated in the randomized control trial. But this trial looked at proving the point of breath work versus mindful meditation and which one actually gave you more bang for your buck, so to speak. That's not their language, that's mine. (laughs) But ultimately, the shortened summary of this is breath work for even five to ten minutes per day showed greater um, health and well-being impacts mentally and physically on the body than doing meditation practices. So think about this. Five to ten minutes daily of breathing properly. Significant. I love it. So thinking about this and managing your stress being crucial. Number six, joyful activities. What brings you joy? One of the biggest questions that I work with my ladies on to engage in activities that bring joy and fulfillment. It might be a hobby. It could be spending time in a certain place or with a certain person, but you have to foster joy and contribute to your positive mindset to then have this be advantageous for you. So when we think about this segment, I want you to remember that maintaining a vibrant health involves a holistic approach. We've got to consider physical, mental and emotional well-being all in one, but that doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to feel heavy. You start with one thing and one thing to begin with and move from there. And as we wrap up today's episode on postmenopausal health, Let's just recap on some of the points that we've explored here, because this is important. It's a deep one, right? We began by looking at dispelling some of the myths that menopause symptoms vanish completely when we are postmenopausal. We looked at understanding that there's a spectrum of experiences and we need to seek personalised care. It is essential that we do that for navigating this phase. And we delved inside the two critical health aspects that postmenopausal women should be aware of, which is osteoporosis and cardiovascular health. Okay, the statistics are very stark on those, but when we're armed with this knowledge, we can take proactive steps and safeguard our own health and well-being. So we also highlighted that there is this prevalence of osteoporosis affecting one in two women and the importance of adopting a very bone-healthy approach. In the final segment, we understood that there are key considerations for overall well-being, from practical advice like your health, regular checkups and screenings. We emphasised holistic approaches and we looked at mental health, a vital component. So when we think about postmenopausal care and we are then armed with this knowledge, we can proactively look at what we want and need for our phase of life navigating it gracefully, yeah, properly, and giving ourselves this healthy, fulfilled life that we deserve. So I want you to remember that you're not alone on this journey and you get to prioritize yourself. This gets to be a very positive part of your life. You get to feel the vibrancy that comes in menopause and taking a powerful step towards this more vibrant, thriving postmenopausal stage of your life. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Menopause Coach podcast today. And until next time, I want to just ask you to do one thing. If you do nothing else today, once you've listened to this episode,
please make sure you go and hit the follow or subscribe button. For everyone that subscribes and follows us, the podcast grows. And as we grow, we reach more and more people. And the more and more people we reach, the more and more lives that we touch. And that ripple effect that it has, you play a massive role in that. If one more person listens to this episode and you change a life, your ripple effect of sharing that episode or following or subscribing has just completely changed lives. And you can be part of that by simply hitting the follow or subscribe button. So please make sure you go do that right now and I will see you next week. Stay well. I truly hope this episode has sparked something vibrant inside of you. I ask only one thing, to help keep these episodes coming, please subscribe and share with another in your life. That's how we reach more women worldwide and we help them step into their power. Because together we are working to remove any of the stigma and taboo that surrounds menopause. This does not need to be a daunting, a scary, a taboo time in anyone's life. So together, let's make menopause mainstream.